The following program may, and likely does, contain mature content unsuitable for younger listeners, up to and including conversations of a sexual nature. Simon and Chris are kinky dudes. So if you're then less than legal age, shield your ears, child. Or don't. I'm not your dad. I haven't got a clue what the pre-roll is going to be today. I don't know. I've got a shiny new microphone. Like, really, really shiny. I mean, they're shiny and then there's, it's blowing a bright red light in your face. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Teabags and Joysticks, the kinky video game podcast. I am Sai. Hello, I'm Chris. How are you, Chris? Yeah, doing good. Doing great. On your new microphone. Oh, my new microphone. It's... Your, your yeah. face is lit up like you've got Rudolph the Reindeer's nose in front of you. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, just for the context of our viewers, this, this microphone has possibly one of the most obnoxious red lights I've ever seen. <laughs> As in, the entire mic glows in red. <laughs> I mean, it's not just the entire mic, it's you as well. <laughs> I, I reflect the red, I don't glow. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're glowing, darling. Mm. <laughs> So, what's the topic today, Chris? The topic today is a little bit unusual. Um, so, okay. we are imagining if kink is a role-playing game, what would it be like? So, we're going to brainstorm kink, the video game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not uh, about to come onto Steam or anything, I can promise that. Although, if anybody wants to uh, make it with us... <laughs> oh no hey stranger things have happened let's see what we come up with we have no idea what's going to happen at all oh no, like absolutely not this is going to be a really uh interesting brainstorming session yeah but before we get to that chris what's the tea a tea today uh i'm gonna talk about ikea oh so ikea has brought out a line of sofas that are inspired by pride flags. Oh God! Uh, oh God! This 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 sounds horrible. <laughs> um, some are implemented better than others, and some are downright fucking terrifying. <laughs> I always get nervous when brands go, "Hey, yeah, we're we're doing a pride line." It's like, did anybody see what uh, Target's pride? Oh yes, outfits looked like oh, with yeah. the suit that was that was just rainbow stripes all the way through. Well, choices were made. Yeah, choices were made. I'm not saying they were good choices, but choices were made. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this ace asexual one actually quite relatively tasteful. Okay, in my opinion, I, I'll, sh- I'll share screen with you. So, I mean, that's great for me, but our listeners can't see it. Yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's just a grey sofa with kind of a throw a, a, a kind of a, a furry throw on this actual sofa, which is which has got the the uh, the four stripes, the right, the black, okay, black, grey, white, and purple stripes. And this is IKEA, you said. This right? is IKEA, yes. Like the pansexual one is okay. It's not bad. 
just a standard Soivo with just patches, kind of imagine kind of like It looks like someone made rainbow cow print. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it does. <laughs> like the, the, my my description of that is just like yeah, cow cow print, but I, the first thing I think of is kind of a Spitfire pattern, but with <laughs> not camouflage. What? Spitfire. Oh, okay. As in the camouflage on the Spitfire. Yeah, but not with camouflage colors. Instead, you do it with kind I, of um, the, the pink and yellow and blue. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to take him for an artist. <laughs> <laughs> No, like I'm looking at like so I've just pulled these up and I'm looking at all of them and I think only one of them looks even remotely okay. Uh-huh. And that's the lesbian what they're calling the lesbian flag one. Yeah, that is quite nice. That is quite nice. That is like a imagine that like a bill shake. The non-binary one I can kind of see as well. Hmm. The bisexual flag. That that one is horrifying. To be fair, I think most of them are, Chris. Yeah, but who wants a sofa full of handprints? That is, you want okay, okay. You wait, actually wait, wait, want wait, hands wait, wait. that are clawing your sofa. <laughs> so this doesn't translate particularly well because these are very much visual things in an audio podcast. However, let me describe for our listeners what they've done with so. For the bisexual flag, it is a load of handprints in the bisexual flag colours, mm-hmm. with the words "Don't, don't you change or to and wait when you change or to and nobody believes you." And then it's just handprints all over with what look like rubber marigolds climbing around it. Yeah, but you see that one is not as odd to me, as what they've done with the Progress Pride flag, which is it is literal plastic florist fake flowers that have been stuck to a sofa. Yeah. These Um, cannot be actually for sale, surely. Probably not, but it's... Yeah. The fact is, how do you even sit on that? You can't lean back. You just squish all the flowers. I just... These can't be real. These are just I don't know. I this is more honestly. This is just more corporate pride bullshit. I mean, like this is just another bandwagon. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing, I guess. <laughs> it's a thing. It's yeah, kind of nothing because no one is ever going to buy them. I love the fact as well they didn't announce this until the second to last day of Pride, from what I can see. Yeah, I know. So, I kind of feel like somebody when, oh shit, we're missing Pride Month, throw something together. When did they actually brought this out? Because they, they could have brought it on, brought it out on the anniversary of Stonewall. This is the possibility. I don't know. It's just got that feeling of the kid that didn't do their homework. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, I've got nothing more to add to this tea. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wish you hadn't poured that tea. (laughs) Because now I'm aware of these things. And my eyes could not unsee these crimes. (laughs) Sorry, you don't have to sit on them. (laughs) Good. 
<laughs> There's an independent uh, headline here. Odd corporate robotic pride couches. Social media users mock IKEA's new Pride sofa collection. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I mean, do you, like I I say the same thing as I said with targets. Choices were made. I'm not saying they were good choices, <laughs> but choices were made. Pretty much. Right, enough about IKEA. What's your tea? <laughs> um, I'm going to do something a little bit unusual for oh. uh, this. How so? Sport, 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 sport. No, you're doing a sport, yeah, sport corner. I'm actually doing sports ball corner. <laughs> you doing sports ball corner. <laughs> so, anyone who is even remotely aware of UEFA in the last two weeks will be aware of the fact that UEFA have been well, just typical UEFA basically <laughs> I mean, UEFA, FIFA they're, they're kind of, you know, just the same thing it, It's uh, they're not the same organisation, I'm not saying they're the same no, they're not, but they're, they're, they're just I think they bad. can both be said to be as bad as each other when it comes to some things yeah so, my tea this week is regarding the double talk and the the two-facedness of corporate pride, and that UEFA is basically a prime example of this right now. Yeah, yeah. So, for those that aren't aware, uh, in the second-to-last Germany match, because we were their last, last match in the tournament, and they went out... Um, which probably dates this uh, recording a little bit. <laughs> By the tournaments, he means the European Championships. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't follow it that closely. I just know there's a tournament. Um, Germany petitioned to light up their stadium in the colours of the Pride flag in a response to a very uh, homophobic law that had been passed in Hungary, who they were playing against, uh, in order to show support for LGBT people in Hungary, and the fact that this was in Pride Month, and to show, you know, camaraderie, I guess, with the community. Mm. And UEFA turned around and said, you can't do that, that's political. Now, that in itself is already, well, fuck you, UEFA, you don't get to choose when and when you aren't an ally. But the other thing that also galls me with this, this came four days after it had come out, that UEFA had opened an investigation and very quickly closed it when backlash started against the German captain who was wearing a pride flag as their captain's armband. UEFA has a policy that says they will support LGBT players, fans, etc. They've made a big song and dance about making sure that the LGBTQ plus community feels safe at its events during the tournaments and, and going forward. But the moment that UEFA had the opportunity to turn around and stand in solidarity, they very quickly turned around and went, oh no, we can't do that. And while they haven't said such, it's very easy for anybody who is observing to sit here and, and go... I wonder how much of that is uh, profit-oriented. Because, oh, totally. once again, it is corporations saying, oh yes, we support 
pride, we support this, that, and the other. And then the moment they actually have the opportunity to make a stand on a stage that will be noticed around the world, and they have the platform, suddenly they lose their voice. Yeah, they like to do the pride rainbow thing when nothing's on the line, Yeah, basically. But the thing that galls me even more, the, the biggest thing that galls me about this, and this is why I'm kind of bringing this as tea, is it is the absolute embodiment of rainbow washing and corporate pride being a ton of bullshit. Because UEFA then released a statement saying that we are proud to wear the colours of the rainbow just after they changed their logo to have the rainbow in it. Yeah. It's a symbol that embodies our core values, promoting everything we believe in. A more just and egalitarian society, tolerant of everyone, regardless of their background, belief, or gender. Some people have interpreted UEFA's decision to turn down the City of Munich's request to illuminate the Munich Stadium in rainbow colours... Gee, there's no punctuation in this. Request to illuminate the Munich Stadium in rainbow colours for a Euro 2020 match as political. On the contrary, the request itself was political, linked to the Hungarian football team's presence in the stadium for this evening's match with Germany. Yes, because Hungary are repressing the LGBT plus individuals in their country. You know, it's Pride Month, that's kind of when these things happen. But the thing that actually irritates me, like, is the final sentence in this. For UEFA, the rainbow is not a political symbol, but a sign of our firm commitment to a more diverse and inclusive society. Hashtag equal game. Hashtag Euro 2020. Hey UEFA, the rainbow flag's fucking political. The rainbow flag is totally political. It has always been political. Pride is political. The moment you started fucking washing yourselves in our colours, and the moment you started going, oh, we're allies, you turned political. Get fucking comfortable with that, or fuck off. Yeah. If pride is a protest, it has to be political. I'm sorry, but it's just (laughs) corporate pride wants to have all of the fucking trappings but none of the fucking responsibility that comes with it. Yeah, this last sentence basically just says the gays can give us their money too. Like, they are genuinely attempting to depoliticize pride and you can fuck right off. That's my tea. My tea is I'm fucking angry right now <laughs> at corporate bullshit. And what was really nice this year was to see so many people coming out and saying the same thing about so many companies that have been doing this for fucking years. Yeah. So... Do you know what happened when they next played a match in Budapest? No, what happened? Because I I don't actually follow it that closely, as you're aware. The sponsors lit up the advert boards in rainbow colours. Oh, wonderful. Did you see what happened in response to UEFA banning it? Uh, Yeah. Because this is the bit I left out of my story. For those that don't know, every football team with the ability to, in Germany, lit up their stadiums in the rainbow flag colours. Yeah. And... Um, Amnesty International and a bunch of local LGBT plus uh, supporting organizations at charities, etc., turned up to the stadium with 11,000 pride flags. That's Mm. one for every single German fan Mm -hmm. and gave them away for free. Literally, the LGBT community went, hold my flag, and the German fans went, yes. (laughs) 
And the stadium was awash with pride flags. There was even a pitch invasion in the middle of the Hungarian national anthem where a fan invaded the pitch Mm -hmm. with the pride flag, but not, not just holding the pride flag, holding it upside down. Which is an internationally recognised symbol of a ship of a ship in distress. Like it's an internationally recognised symbol of distress when a flag is flown upside down. Like, yeah, it doesn't really work with every flag though. A lot of flags are kind of the same if you flip them upside down. I mean, it's what the symbol is. Like you couldn't get a better. Yeah, I'm just saying. I don't know if we need to place up a emphasis on the fact that it was upside down. I don't even know the. Pigeon Vader knew he was holding it upside down, you know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, the next match that was played in Budapest involved uh, the Netherlands, and they okay. brought in a lot of rainbow flags. <laughs> Good. They, they brought in a lot of rainbow flags. Um, there was some talks about those flags being confiscated uh, by the Hungarian authorities in the fan zone. And oh, wow. UEFA claimed no responsibility of that whatsoever. Of course they didn't. UEFA denied all knowledge of it. Because UEFA didn't see any of this or hear any of this going on because they were able to turn a blind eye to all of this, allegedly. (laughs) Sorry, I, I just, I have... UEFA exert a certain amount of control over these things, which is why Munich had to petition to do it in the first place. You're not telling me nobody heard this was going on. I'm sorry, I don't buy it for a second. But anyway, I will... uh, I will sit here quietly and sip my tea. (laughs) So UEFA claimed they had no control over the fan zone, which I don't think is true. I've been to these kind of events before. I've been to the Rugby World Cup, I've been to the Cricket World Cup... And up into the Olympics. If it's a proper official fan zone, it is under the organization committee's control. It should be. I'm not saying it definitely is because I don't have the data to my hand, but I would say. Here's my thing. Have some say. If you're going to put your name on it, if you're going to say this is our event, if you're going to say this is what's going on, you are responsible for the decisions underneath that. Yeah. It's different to say, okay, my local city putting up the match on the big screen. That's different. Mm-hmm. That's different. Yeah. If but they, they actively control that stadium for the night, basically. They may be delegating. No, I no, I don't think you you understand what, what I mean by a fan zone. What is the fan zone? A fan zone is a place that the fans, the spectators go before entering the stadium, like a couple of a few hours before. It's not the stadium. It is somewhere else right. in the city uh, that is completely, should be branded in kind of the competitions like colours and logos and shit like that. Okay. Uh, and these are all run by the actual organisation? Like from my experience, they are. I can't say it definitely is, but most spectators will think of it as that part of the match day experience. I mean, on that respect then, like, we can't say for sure if it was them, but I, I'll no. say this much. If if it was, if it turns out that this was anything to do with them officially, or they had to give their blessing to it, whatever, then I'm sorry, they become responsible for what happens underneath them. Yeah. Like, they can turn around and go, oh, well, we delegated it off. I don't give a fuck. 
You knew this was a thing. You knew this was a thing so much you put out a public statement because you realised you'd pissed a lot of people off. And nobody sat there and went, oh, well, if we're doing this, maybe we ought to... Mm, No, sorry. Not buying it. Not for a second. But anyway, shall we move on to a lighter topic before I rant my head off completely? Yeah, let's move on. (laughs) Shall we... uh... See what's on our joysticks. Yeah, let's do this quickly. I've been playing a game called uh, Golftopia. Golftopia? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like a build-your-own golf course game. Uh, okay, wait. When we're saying golf course, are we talking like nine-hole Stanley Cup, or are we talking like mini-golf? Either. Right, Ed and Chris cutting in here quickly. Um, I don't know why he just says Stanley Club and I didn't correct him because Stanley Club is clearly ice hockey, but never mind. Do you enter either or both? Oh, okay. Can you like do them at the same time? Yeah, actually, you can like, have a proper drive, uh, driver shots to the fairway, and then from there it turns into a mini golf course. And okay. Goes, goes all crazy. I'm kind of digging that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> it is quite cool. It is quite cool, which is exactly what I've done. Like I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a kind of got a pretty crazy kind of pinbally hole in the middle of a like a serious <laughs> serious golf <laughs> lengths. Okay, I I kind of need to see this. This sounds like something that we would kind of have fun streaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could could be. That might be one I look into. So how, um, like, can you get other people's courses and things? Like, is there a download thing where you can get... I think it's... Basically, like, is it like Mario Maker type thing where you can pull in other people's courses to play? Uh, I think eventually you can. Um, I'm not sure yet. I still in... I think it's still in early access. Oh, okay. So it's like a little indie type thing. Huh? Is it like a little indie type thing? It is, yeah. It is. Awesome. So I think it is inspired by an old game called Sim Golf, which is part of the, well, the, the Sim franchise. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of similar to that, but Sim Golf only did the serious, the, the serious kind of golf. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm kind of a little intrigued with this. So, in terms of actually playing the, the golf course you're made, it is still you're still in the kind of kind of the top down kind of view, right? Not, got you. That kind of the, the, the like a camera way above you, you're not kind of mm-hmm. kind of zoom like in of into your player. Type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still in kind of a, a view like way high up. So it's not okay. It's not going to be like golf with friends or or. Or the more professional, like PGA games. But it makes me wonder if, like, even if they released it as is, because you said it's still in development, even if mm. they release it as is, I wonder if somebody will do a mod for that. I mean, I don't know how viable this is. I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's always kind of cool, though, because, like, you said it's kind of like Sims Golf. There's been. <clears throat> now let's be clear, this is because EA basically completely mismanaged these franchises. But there's been a spate recently of people going into 
the areas of old franchises and going, well, you're doing nothing with this IP or what you're doing with this IP is so far from what the fans want. Mm. We're just going to make a new IP that that builds on the same idea and does it better. Yeah. yeah Sim Golf is a weird one because you can't buy that game anymore. That was a game I used to play. You mm. can't you can't buy that. I don't know okay. what happened to it. Um but Not yeah. even on GOG? No. You can't buy the game. Hmm. I mean to be fair, Rollercoaster Tycoon have basically been left to die. And then uh Parkitect and uh the- uh not themes Planet- the world, what's Planet Coaster. World? Um Planet thank Coaster. you, Planet Coaster. Like, they came out and suddenly the genre's got life again. Yeah, true. So, so that, mind you, I mean, Planet Coaster's Frontier Development, which is not a small company, but you see what I mean. Like, these franchises yeah. have been left to languish. I don't think there has been a game like this for a while. It's kind of just mm. been... Uh, no one has been making this game. But yeah. There we go. I mean, that just means the market's more prime for someone to come out with it. Very much. It's a good game. It's a good game. The reviews has have been really good, and I do recommend it. It's on PC, right? It is on PC, yeah. Okay, I'll have to give that one a look. Okay. Uh, so, that's my choice. Six, what's on yours? Uh, on mine this week, uh, there's been a couple of things, but the one that I'm going to talk about is Sea of Thieves again. Okay, uh, and I get that I've talked about Sea of Thieves like twice in the in the like last few episodes, but the reason I'm mentioning it again is because the DLC uh, Pirates Tale came out, which is the mm-hmm. one that's based around Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and it's been <sighs> okay. I want to like it. Okay. <laughs> Which is That's never a great a way for any, any review to start, I know, but I want to like it. Here's my thing. So the Pirate's Tale DLC is split into five parts. And let me preface this by saying I have done two and I have gone into the opening of the third. Okay. But the reason that I've only done so much of that is because to say that the launch of this DLC has been buggy would be an understatement. The first one runs fine without a hitch for mm. the most part. Because I'm playing through with a couple of friends and the only thing that we've noticed like when doing that is if people get a little bit too separated, you can miss things. But that's fine because you just, you know, we, we've took to honking like gooses so that we know where we are. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, gooses honk when they're flying, so you know if they're still in formation. Like, we've been doing the same sort of thing as we're passing through. And it's a little bit like... You kind of feel like you're on a ride at Disney World for the first one. Because you kind of go through and things are happening around you and you're getting... Basically, you're getting exposition dumps. Right. The second one is a lot more involved. And minor spoilers, the second one... You're going in and you're finding the Black Pearl, which happens to have been sunk. This is Pirates of the Caribbean. It's never sunk, but it's been sunk. Mm. Okay. And what proceeds, I'm not going to like give too many story beats, but what proceeds is you have to 
do a series of puzzles which involve like matching up statue positions, certain jumping puzzles, certain um, fights and encounters, basically. But the game does such a piss poor job of explaining any of this. Now, matching the statues, once it clicks and you're familiar with the language they're using, it clicks and it's fine and you know what you're doing. But the there's no sort of dialogue, there's no sort of prompting, there's no sort of UI in Sea of Thieves. And this is very much to the DLC's detriment. Because you are often finding yourself stood in a room going, well, what the fuck am I meant to do? And some of it is fine, because some of it is fairly self-explanatory. But then other times, you'll be on a ship where you've got to, like, fight this target, but you have no context of whether you're doing any damage to this target, whether you're actually being effective with this target, whether, whether you know... Any number of the usual things that you would expect to have given as feedback so you've got some idea if you're making progress, none of them are happening. And then on top of that, for the first few days when it launched, there was a major bug in the way that you move from area to area, which means you would often come up against a wall that you just could not go go past even though you were meant to because the triggers were not working. Ah, right. And it, it's That's like really not good. Exactly. And it's just like I don't understand how because this kind of thing is not like it's could have got missed in QA easily. Mm. Because surely if you're QAing this, you're gonna go, okay, well we're launching this on the back of E3. We're going to get an influx of people. This is a large IP. We need to make sure that this thing doesn't break. When we have three or four crews moving through the area at the same time, you I know, do, yeah, I find that weird. And it's one of those things I want to like it, but in the state it was in, I can't. I now I will say in their defence, they haven't put a patch in, mm-hmm. and it has. It's at least fixed the issue of not being able to move through areas. Yeah, sure. That that's a big one. Yeah. The rest of the dialogue things where you don't know if you're making progress and you're not getting the feedback you need to know if you're doing the right thing, that's not being fixed. That's more of a storytelling thing though. That's not not a Oh no, not, one of these is, bug, one is of these is straight up. There is one particular one that, that I'm thinking of which right. spoiler here, skip forward about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear what I'm about to say. You're fighting the Kraken, you're you're firing on the face of the Kraken, but it doesn't take any damage visibly, so you don't know if you're actually making any progress in the fight. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, well, you're taking a... damage the entire time. Right, so that's not a dialogue thing. No, that's a no. more of a visual... Yeah, the, well, it's visual dialogue. This is what I mean. Like It's a progress yeah. thing. You're not getting any sort of yeah, okay. information. Okay. That is really weird. With that, all of that said... Some of the things from this DLC appear in the overworld, so like some of the enemies, etc., now appear on the islands, and it's done a lot to add extra life to the game. Mm. So, you know, cool. there's good points, it's just right now it's overshadowed mm. by its flaws. Yeah. 
Yeah, that happens, but that shouldn't happen. Uh, I find it weird that is they allow this to go out. It's not like they're... I don't feel like there was a rush. Yeah, I feel like it's either they just didn't think, which I find very hard to believe given the game has more concurrent users now than when it launched. Mm. Or there was an extra pressure in there somewhere that we're maybe not aware of, and given that we've known this has happened with other IPs owned by the people that own these IPs on every side of development here, I'm not just talking about Disney, I'm talking about like Microsoft, Rare's own owner, you know, we've known games get rushed out before. It's an industry thing. It's like, oh, we have this date that this has to come out by. Yeah, sure. And a little bit of me wonders whether that came into play. Because it's really not far from... Like, it's one of those things where you can absolutely see it being really close. It just needs that polish. All right. Shall we move on to 5-Minute Marvel? Yeah, because I have feelings. (laughs) Uh, 5 minutes is not going to cover it. (laughs) No, it's not, but we're going to try. Oh my god. Um, so where do we start? Because there's the um, whole thing about how it ended, but then there's the whole thing about where it started. <laughs> uh, for those that aren't aware, we're talking Loki. We're talking Loki. Uh, yes. Um, wow, I don't know. Like, where do we even begin? Should we like, start with Love is the Answer? <laughs> sure. Because that's how they got out of the apocalypse. Uh, I mean, so uh, much happened in the apocalypse episode, but I don't think we've even got time to touch all of that because of what was in uh-huh. the final one. Yeah, uh, remember, love yourself. Um, <laughs> I mean, literally, apparently. Yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> Wait, yeah. does that count as masturbation? Um, <laughs> oh, I haven't got to that bit yet, so no. Uh, <laughs> so, complete tangent, but like, if it, um, uh, anyway, I'm taking time away, I apologise. Um, so, everyone's a, a variant. Yes, yep. Everyone is a variant. Uh, uh, um, yeah, but timekeepers aren't real. That 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 probably should have been coming. obvious. Yeah, that probably should. I kind of saw that coming. Yeah, I will say whoever did the audio dub for that section really needs to start looking for a new job because I couldn't understand a word of it when they were speaking. <laughs> the audio dub on the timekeepers was appalling. I I'm not sure it matters. <laughs> I mean, it kind of does, because, like, you need that interaction just so you get a flavor of, like, what's meant to be going on there, and then it builds in so we can see who's actually pulling the strings, because, like, I and many other people have said, like, you had to go back with with uh, subtitles for that. Hmm, okay. I did not pay any attention to what I said at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I was just like, yeah, whatever. You, you aren't real, I don't care. <laughs> Um, being aware of time, can I like you know do a skip forward and go uh, Richard E. Grant as Loki? Yeah, yes. Not just any Loki, but classic Loki. Yes, like very, very classic. Um, yeah, the yellow, that bright yellow and green, the yellow unitard. <laughs> yeah. So if I didn't, well, did, I didn't did, 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 know Richard E. Grant in a yellow unitard was a thing I needed. Mm. 
I think they did what they could with that kind of colors. Oh, okay, no, because I'm not even going to let you have that one because you say that and then look at what they did with Wonder. Um, okay, it's not yellow, like they couldn't have green? paid a marge and still had an alternative. No, true, true. I mean, also, like, I'm not going to dwell on this too much because there's way too much to cover. But Kid Loki, yeah, and Kid Alligator Loki, Loki. yeah. What, what the hell? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Even more Young Avengers. Uh, well, we said that we knew there would be one. Every single Disney series has had one so far. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, was... and we've now almost got a full roster. We're now basically just missing Hulkling. We're just missing Hulkling. Yeah. Uh, last episode, last yeah, last time we recorded, I was talking about uh, the Enchantress. Uh, that's she's definitely not the Enchantress. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's just another Loki. Um, Where do we think Mobius got sent to? Oh, who knows? I, I, I. Now the thing is, if he was in the world with all the other Lokis, he wasn't there in the trailer. Like I'm guessing, this the, is true. The the vote Loki thing is going to happen next episode. Yeah, do, do you saw I completely forgot if it happens at all. It's not unlike it's not unlike Marvel to put scenes in that don't make it to the show. We've seen them do it already three times. I think it was too too prominent to not be there. We saw it happen in One Division. We saw it happen in, in Falcon Winter Soldier. Like we've seen them do this with prominent scenes already. Yeah, but it was I don't know. It was so different that it I, I was just guessing it's gonna be there. Um and also, um, that that boastful Loki was in that was in that boats Loki scene. That's fair. I don't know. I want Mobius has got to come back. There's no way they put Owen Wilson in and made that yeah. big of a deal without him coming back. But there's yeah. a little bit of my head that wants ski. to go. He got sent into into an equivalent somewhere, and he's now riding a jet ski on his way out. Yeah, he's got <laughs> to ride a jet ski, definitely. <laughs> also, how many times did he manage to say jet ski in his final words? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> We did not get through anywhere near as much as there was to talk about. (laughs) Oh no, no way. That was never going to happen. Oh, I could I could literally do a full show on on all of it, but with the five minute marvel out of the way. Yeah. And uh, some technical difficulties that we'll uh, refrain from discussing. Well, should we should we actually refrain from doing that? But yeah, yeah, yeah. not relevant to, to this right now. <laughs> Let's just say Cy messed up. I mean, it could happen again. Like it could um, happen again. It won't happen again, but it could happen again. It anyway, could happen again. What's the topic today, Chris? Well, today's topic is making making an RPG out of kink. Or an RPG out of kink. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this goes. You don't know how this goes. Uh, none of the listeners know how this goes. <laughs> oh, say okay. So let's start with this. If we're going to do an RPG out of King, the first thing we need to work out is what kind of game RPG are we doing? Is this tabletop or is this a video game? Uh, well, this is a video game podcast, right? So I, I was okay, thinking. So we're video going game. video game. I was thinking video game. So if King is going to be 
the overall theme, mm-hmm. what is the premise? Like, what kind of setting is this, is this RPG mm-hmm. in? I mean, it happens everywhere, doesn't it? Because like... I'm kind of thinking you could kind of make this a little bit sort of, I guess, kind of fantasy, sci-fi, RPG type thing. So, like, different kink aspects are going to mm-hmm. be, like, variations on magic and abilities and things like that. Okay, but with a sci-fi spin, so you're kind of talking about, you know, the force kind of thing. Yeah, like, I'm thinking, like, that probably gives us the most creative liberties in terms of sure yeah. what different things can mean. Yeah, I mean, because, honestly, kink can have all sorts of settings, like, anything from high fantasy, like, kink happens every... In well, this was why decade. I was saying to you, like, how are we going to set this? Yes. Any time in history, kink happens, so... Yeah, okay. If we if we want to do a fantasy sci-fi, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so before we go any further, mm-hmm. if we're going to do this, this is going to be informed by our experiences. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, queer white guy, gay South a- Southeast Asian guy, like, it's going to be very much reflective of our experience. This isn't going to be everyone's kind of experiences that we're drawing from but we'll try and draw what we can from where we can but like i would be really fascinated to see other people do this themselves as well so if we're going to go like sci-fi sci-fi high fantasy type of thing is going to be our kind of area yeah what's the big bad um kind of just vanilla Queen? Vanilla people. <laughs> <laughs> a vanilla witch? <laughs> a vanilla witch. <laughs> wait, wait, can, the witch can, can the witch's name be Karen? <laughs> Karen, yes, yeah. yeah that works. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a quest to defeat Karen the vanilla witch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done with this so far. <laughs> okay, Karen the Vanilla Witch. I'll write that down. So, can her can her catchphrase be "Think of the children, please"? <laughs> oh yes, of course. <laughs> so we have the big bad. Mm-hmm. We have the setting. We have the setting. What? Does so she then it comes down to, to do. Sorry, why is she bad? What does she want to do? Could like, we just kind of go the... with like she's the general like typical oppressor okay, character, let's... but like yeah. strung yeah. out to like all the massive caricatures of like <laughs> Karen and think of the children arguments and the whole sort of <laughs> I'll get you my pretties. Think of the children. <laughs> <laughs> let's think of the main quests later. So if we've got the big bad. Mm-hmm. We've got the setting. Yep. That means that we've got to get down to our character. So, yeah. In typical RPG style, we could go the nobody that's just woke up and is discovering things as they go. Sure, you can. With, you know, heapings of plot armor. <laughs> or we could go more akin to something like The Witcher or something like that, where we come in as a character that's already got an established kind of set of tools etc they've just got to kind of 
get from point A to point B? Which one do we start on? Like, hmm. which one do we want? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um... I kind of like the idea of starting from scratch. Because then it becomes like a kinkster's journey, starting from like, you choose your kind of class and things when you start, and it's like, oh, I've got interest in these sort of things. And then as you progress... You end up with more options that way, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you end up with more options, because, you know, kink. We're kinksters, we're all about choosing what we want to do and what we like, that kind of thing. That would make so you've sense. So li- you've, lived, you've lived your simple life, and you're, you're like... The the general life under the oppressive Karen until the age of eighteen, <laughs> and then at eighteen something happens and you realise that actually I'm into this, and you decide to explore it, and that takes you on to an entire uh, story quest line thing to defeat the oppressive Karen. Okay, are we just having one one main character, or are we doing a co-op kind of? I mean. It's a community. It's a co-op. Yeah, <laughs> it's got that choice. You can play on your own or play with others. I think so. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. So, what kind of what kind of character can you be? I mean, I guess the first step is to choose dumb or sub or switch. Uh huh. Yeah. And then that informs what abilities you get from there, depending on which path you go down. So, like, maybe your first few levels is, like, choosing whether you want to go with the Dom, the Sub, or the Switch route. Hmm. Okay. Yeah? Okay. What I have in my head is kind of like a skill tree. Okay. A skill tree. So, you invest in, like, for example, the the Bondish skill tree, and then you have the Dom dom side and the, the kink branch, uh, the, the Dom branch and the Sub branch, and then you can go down both if you want to. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. See, I'm thinking your first four or five levels are set. Like, each level you get a new choice. Okay. Like, your first, like, three, four, five levels, and I don't know what what order these would be in, but, like, you get, like, gender identity, sexuality, Mm -hmm. role, as in, like, Dom Sub Switch, and then... Your last two is maybe choosing two specializations. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, you could choose bondage, or you could choose chastity, or you could choose uh, service uh, oriented, or you could choose, like, various. Yeah. Like, yeah. sub kinks underneath. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. Yeah, a kind of skill tree can be a bit limiting. You have to pass through certain points to get to the. I don't know. Like some of them would make sense. Like for bondage, maybe it makes sense to learn, you know, a few knots before you get to your suspension and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I was about to say. Isn't that every kink though? Because we all start with kink. This is one of the reasons why we've done like one on one episodes. Like you start with here are the basic things. Mm. Here's what like you can access straight away. Yeah. And then you go further in, it's like, oh, like you can do this and you can do this. And then as you get more experience and you get more knowledge in what you're doing, you get more ability. Okay, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. So, what do we have so far? We have who the main baddie is, the setting. Yep. Like the first four or five levels or so are set up, like setting out your character's initial identity. 
Yes, your identity, because identity can, can change, change as you go. Absolutely. Yep. Like maybe you get a thing every I don't know, like tenth level or something, where you can like realign your skill tree, etc., mm-hmm. and realign your attributes. Cool. All right. Maybe that's a way of incorporating like how identities evolve. Yeah. So realigning attributes. So the question is, what like let's say like we had to have a set number of classes because you could have to like you could have all of them but then it becomes really unwieldy to try and like mm. pin everything down yep so i'm thinking we could have maybe what four or five skill trees all right yeah okay so as in like the class skill trees that i was discussing yeah so maybe your first 10 levels are spent like doing your character creation and then going through like a little bit of each skill tree to give you a sample so, you could have what bondage? Yeah, bondage is definitely going to be as like one skill tree in itself. Yeah, you could have a gear focus maybe as another one. Yep. Yeah, that that includes your kind of your boot blacking and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you could have. I mean, by all means, throw ideas out to me because I'm literally spitballing this off the top. No, of No, yeah, same. <laughs> Uh, you could have kind of like v- verbal, verbal, like very verbal, very sort of like communication, right, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Because communication is a thing you do in all skill trees, but like there are some kinks that are specifically around communication, so or like talking and things. So things like um, hypnosis would be in there. Things like degradation uh, would be in I there. See. You know, sort of things yeah. that require communication very specifically. Yeah. I think um, sadomasochism got to be one, kind of just, just pain-oriented, kind of more more your, your whips and... Mm-hmm. That would, be, that would work well as its separate skill tree. And then if we were yeah. to... Do we... Like, we've got four there. Have you been writing these down? Nope. <laughs> so you've got the path of bondage. Yeah, bondage. Uh, the uh, kind of verbal... The the path of communication. Verbal comms. The path the of, path of uh, the path of the path of sensation. That could be like the S and M side of it. Sure. Okay. Because then you can work into that things like um, hot cold temperature play, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then what was the other one that we said? The path of gear. Yes. Yes, that's the one. I kind of think that actually works. Like those, four, like obviously that doesn't encounter that encompass everything, but I think those no, four, not. you could kind of subcategory a lot of things in. Mm. So like chastity would fall under the bondage tree. Um, the gear would be like your boot blacks, your sort of leather and rubber dude, your put play yeah. kind of things. Yeah, I think identity is not really a skill tree. No, but I think like. Identity, like, is part of those first three levels. You know how, like, in Fallout, you get, like, what is it, two or three levels that are essentially freebies because you get them within the first 20 minutes of playing, just going through the initial, like, vault type yeah. of thing? And it's yeah. like, oh, like, you you gained a level. Like, tell us what gender you are and put a yeah. point in a skill tree type thing, you know? Yeah. Now, think of it. I think I really like one thing from Mass Effect Andromeda. Mm-hmm. Which is 
something that not many people have said, but how they can <laughs> shade <laughs> how how uh, Ryder can basically change its class at any time, pretty much. Okay. Not not at any time, but you know, there's a cooldown on things in things. I think, um, but yeah, essentially, he can swap class from being a, a sentinel to an, an engineer, just like that. And I, okay. I think that kind of fits with kind of the kink perspective. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this right now, but then like five minutes later, I want to do that. So what if then you're like, if we've got these four paths, then you can have one of these, you can upgrade any two of these at once, yeah. but you can only have one active slot at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And like, I know the two is kind of an arbitrary limit. But I just feel like that's one of those kind of video game decisions where you've kind of got to... Well, actually, no. You could have it so you can put anything in in any of them at any time, but you can only have one active at a time. But it's mainly designed around the idea of you running two trees. Exactly. Kind of how, like, Fall, Fallout has... What is it? Eight? S-P-E-C... How many? S-P-E-C-I-A-L. This is where I get worried because I'm incredibly dyslexic and I probably just spelled that wrong. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, don't Fallout know. has, is it seven letters in special? Yes. Um, and it's, like, you choose what abilities you want under each tree. Okay. And you can put anything in them at any point, but the game is very clearly designed around you, like, specializing down two or three routes. Uh, got you. You can see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we could like that. That's kind of how that works. Like the the king side of things, like the categories are kind of like the the fallout, um, like special points. <laughs> but then, what do these become? You see, because like if it's an RPG, how are we incorporating these into being part of the general mechanic? Of like, are there different battle things that are like connected to different kinks? Sure. Okay. Yeah, that is something that to to actually think about. Like, how do you pro- <laughs> progress in the game? So I like the idea that Karen's like the final boss, mm-hmm. and maybe the entire thing is like. Wait, do various... I need to? Do I need to have a scene with Karen? Ooh. <laughs> mm. I feel like the finale should be a big like pride parade. Okay. And I'm getting way ahead of myself here, I know. But the finale needs to be, like, you've gone around working with different communities, etc., as you go through to create this cohesion. Yeah. And in the end, everyone comes cool. together for this big, big pride march on Karen's headquarters. And all of the different groups come along. And it's made a point as you get there to, like, highlight the different groups. And like we'll have different representations of different different groups within our community there. So like we'll we'll have our trans folks, we'll have our non-binary folks, we'll have mm. our queer kingsters, we'll have our pups mm. and so on and so forth. And then the final scene, the final battle type of thing, is as as the Pride March proceeds towards the like final headquarters of Karen. You're doing various battles on the way using your abilities okay. against the different like roadblocks on your way. So, like, you'll have, like, a series of mini-boss fights before you get up to Karen? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay. So, if you've done things like you've specialised down the path of communication, for example, Mm. maybe one of the things you can do is use your hypnosis 
in order to bypass, like kind of like you get speech checks in Fallout, you can use some of the hypnosis skill tree ability to kind of do various like skill checks to get past certain like areas or people and things on the way and things like that. Okay, yeah. Obviously, this becomes a bit non-consensual, but this is a made-up thing, so yeah, like the... quit bashing about that. <laughs> this is entirely just just for like entertainment. <laughs> like this is not meant into any seriousness at all. Let's be clear. I mean, when you're going to be talking like using different abilities as like attacks and things, like the thing that comes to my mind is like you might get like a rigger down the bondage skill path mm-hmm. that has some sort of like, I don't know, psychokinetic control of rope and you can use them as whips yeah, and things. Just, they just kind of magically tie someone up and like that yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like, so it's like, if it's like a two on three battle, it's just like one rigger might like use a binding thing to like put mm-hmm. one of the opponents in bondage for two turns while the other one uses two like turns? <laughs> i don't know just, but like while well no because it's got to be gamified to a point that like there's a limit yeah, in terms of abilities so like i know i know i know, I know. one puts the, like one enemy in bondage for two turns so that you can deal with the other two and like one's using like the ropes as a whip and one's you you know yeah, we're just about to say, well, two turns, that's hardly satisfying. Well, no, but it's like... <laughs> but yeah. Okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at this as like, rather than the kinks being a sexual thing, like they're more like these are kind of shorthand for different oh, yeah, abilities. Course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we've done bondage, we've done the the comms. Uh, sensation is pretty much just, just whips and whips and paddles and that kind of thing. Yeah, they will be quite self-explanatory yeah they should be fairly self-explanatory as to how they work um the only additional thing is you might get things like um the deep heat ability which burns your opponent for example (laughs) you know Uh, yeah don't forget electro (laughs) of course exactly like play safe guys like this again this is all fantasy but like (laughs) this is all made up this is not real this is not an episode where we're going to get into the logistics of the safety of different kings you know uh what about the gear then how how do we use gear as a game mechanic so gear could be a combination of kind of like charisma from fallout no, okay. So, like, different gear might get you in different places, or it might make people more willing to talk to you and things like that. At the same time, it might put some people off, like some of Karen's cronies might be less likely to talk to you. <laughs> um, so it's kind of used in conjunction to another skill tree, then, you're thinking? Yeah, so that, that's right. more like a support skill tree. Yeah, that make, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's also somewhat influenced by your clothing choices, or it somewhat influences your clothing choices. Maybe you can only access certain clothing if you've got that tree set up in a certain way, mm. or maybe it limits what you can wear in a certain way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that that seems to work. So, yeah, so that actually works well, because that would mean that like your communication tree, I think we called it, like that would be more like support like actively yeah yeah that is that is true in real life as well isn't it Cause... exactly so like that's more like active support your the gear skill tree would be more like passive support yeah and then the other two are more aggressive stances so like your bondage one is more kind of 
Um, what do they call it? Is it like there's a specific name they use? I think it's in the it's either the Pokemon games or the Final Fantasy games, okay. where it's like these are things that they do damage, but they nearly always have a secondary effect. Oh, so uh, this would be things like it, like it ties them up, but it does like a little bit of damage over time, type of thing. Yeah, or that kind of thing. Whereas your like Sadomasochism skill tree would be more like active attack type of thing. Yeah, so that, that actually balances well if you've got those four, because it means you've got an active and passive for both attack and defense. Okay, cool. Do our characters have? Morality. Ooh. Because I, I'm once again I'm thinking Mass Effect again. So the Paragon Renegade system. Do we just change that to a, like a Dom sub system? Well, I kind of feel like that's obviously it's not a morality as such. No, no, of course, yeah. But as I understand the way that Paragon and Renegade works, it affects you being able to access certain conversations mm-hmm. and certain abilities. Yeah. So is this not just what we've done with Dom Sub and Switch already? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of rehashing Dom Sub and Switch. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I I, w- I don't like the idea of calling it a morality system though. No, because I'm referencing Mass Effect. That, that's because mm. they call it a morality system. I kind of going there and because in Mass Effect Paragon Renegade are not like mutually exclusive. Maybe it's more of a faction. Well, yeah, maybe it's more of a faction system. Yeah, because you keep adding points to each, mm-hmm. each um kind of bar. So, yeah. So let's review. We've got setting, enemy. We know what the final battle is, or at least we know the basic premise of the final battle. We said, well, I said. I don't know if you agree with this. Like the way that the game as a whole kind of runs. Like, obviously not the nitty-gritty, but, like, the point is that you're getting various different communities and people, etc. together to come on this final, like, protest, like, march, as it were. Yeah, that sounds fun. The setting would be kind of science fiction-y high fantasy so that you can have, like, all sorts of telekinesis and weird and wonderful things happen with the various (laughs) different kink implements so that you can, like, you know. Um... Yeah. Um so where where does sex come into all these? I'm not sure cuz I was coming from this from a fairly well honestly like I know this sounds bad but I was coming at this from a fairly non-sexual perspective so I'm not quite sure how we'll work that in. Mm-hmm. We're going to take the elements. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. Um I kind of quite like the idea of being able to romance someone like in a lot of games oh i'm not against like the idea of putting romance in there maybe it could be that your romance actually links somewhat to what you've put your skill sets in yeah and so like different characters that you can romance will have different compatibilities almost it's like they might be a dom rope master and like they're only getting Mm. with a sub sub rope master type of thing Submaster. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm yeah. I'm kind of like using the term rope master as kind of a catch-all of that uh, tree type of thing. Okay, got so you. like you'd have got the chastity ma- like chastity master tree, rope master tree, and so forth. You know, gotcha. 
like the mastery would be like if you've got all of that tree filled in. Yeah. So we've got the character. We do. We've got the outline of the character creation. Mm-hmm. We've got how the different, like, faction-ish system... Like, I don't exactly know what we're going to call that, but, like, how that system works in terms of the Dom's yeah. Sub. Yeah. And in terms of, like, the four different categories, as it were. Mm. I need I need a good name for this Dom's Sub thing. Uh... Just a position system. Yeah, might that just works. Be enough, yeah. You know? Position system, yeah. The position system. Um, and the thing is, like, you can use that in battle. Like, it might be that one of your enemies has, like, I don't know, a sub position in whatever yeah. category. But if you've got a dumb position in that category, you'll get a bigger bonus. If you've got a switch switch position in that category, you'll get a bonus, but not quite as big type of mm-hmm. thing, you know, and that'll yeah. give you a damage bonus or whatever. A balance. Yeah. Um,. So, I'm. So we've got like the battle system ish, there, mm-hmm. and then we've got romance system. We do. The final battle, ish. What's the What's the final outcome? You win the final battle. What's the final outcome? Um. I have an answer for this, and I'm surprised you're well... not there already, considering we've just done Pride Month. <clears throat> What if it comes to if it comes to Stonewall Riot? <laughs> no, <laughs> you already had the, you've already had like because that's it like the final battle you yeah. can take inspiration from someone. Yeah. Um, the the final outcome is acceptance, tolerance, and uh, well, like, okay. all that jazz. You know, I know it's yeah. a little bit fairy tale ending, but that I mean, been, yeah, that room leaves no room for sequel. Simon can't have that. Oh, trust me, like, if, if we've learned anything over the years, there's always going to be another battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a bit of a... How do you express that kind of thing? Okay, but you say this, right? I, I mean, I don't know exactly how you express it, but like you say this, like, that leaves no room for a sequel. How many games have we seen that you sit there and go, okay, that got that, like, that felt final? Only for there then to be six more plus other sequels, you know? Well, true, yeah. <laughs> so even if we didn't look at this the way that we talked about last episode, where, like, just because we've gained this particular victory doesn't mean there's not more to go. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> then from the video game perspective, there's always another. <laughs> there's always another Karen. Yeah, there's always another Karen that's going to come mm-hmm. along. Yeah. As anyone who's ever worked retail will tell you, there is always another Karen. Is <laughs> mm-hmm. that right? So is that all of the main elements? So what we're, talk- we're saying is uh, fantasy sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Are we thinking it's going to be set on just one planet, or is it going to be completely spacey? And that There's your sequel. Oh. There's your sequel. So the first one is set on an Earth-like planet, but with various sci-fi technology. Uh-huh. And then on the final shot of the fi- of the end of the game, you-, you see this broadcast like going out into space, and you see some like faceless Karen or Darren sat there, <laughs> like, the bloody gator at it again. 
Would there be aliens? Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay, cool. Let's have aliens. I mean, we're to- we're talking about a world in in which like rope masters and, uh, can control the rope with their mind. So why of not? <laughs> of course they can. Like, who can't control the ropes with their minds? Um, but you see, now now you've said this, like all that's running through my mind is like part of the art style of, of this game is very much kind of space pop silver's whole like latex conversion type thing like mm. <laughs> mm. that would like, be hell that cool. can be one of the attacks under the gear tree like <laughs> yeah i'm thinking of one of the levels you come across like that kind of uh, kind of kind of a drone factory or something yeah or like you can do like because I mean like there's various kind of kink fantasies and things that are just like entirely cerebral things like mm. microphilia and stuff like that like sod it if we're gonna like go the whole hog and bring aliens and sci-fi and everything in like hell make that a thing like there's an entire yeah. town and things make, devoted to these things you know make that a level totally <laughs> so right. I think we've covered most elements. I think we've covered both elements of a video game. I've helped you throw this together, so I'm going to throw this over to you. If you get... And I'm just looking at my timer here. Yeah. Let's say you've got to make the three-minute elevator pitch. Oh, God. (laughs) So I'm going to give you a minute or so to think about it, and we'll we'll put a cut in here. Like We'll put a speed-up cut in here. I'm going to give you a minute or two to think about it. And then I'm going to like tell you when to start, and I'll keep an eye on the time, and you'll have three minutes to pitch everything that we've just kind of put together. Like, as if you were doing, like, the elevator pitch. It's like, I, okay, we, we need someone who's crazy enough to put this sort of thing together. You somehow find yourself in an elevator with Phil Spencer and Todd Howard. <laughs> Make the pitch. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, you've got Todd nice. Howard, you've got Phil Spencer, you've got a captive audience in an elevator. Oh, God. So, I'm going to give you about 20 more seconds, if that... Yeah, this like, is not going to work. <laughs> well, we're going to find out. Are you ready? <laughs> sure. All right. Three, two, one. It's time to duel! Okay. What? Okay, so Phil Todd, um, yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks for listening. So yeah, I've got this crazy idea of an, uh, a sci-fi fantasy RPG um, that is uh, focused on uh, Kingsters. Um, so yeah, our, our main character, um, he or she or they, uh, they're going to be yeah one of the Kingsters who's just come out of uh, a, a suppressive Karen, um, the the vanilla witch, who always talks about thinking of the children. Uh, um, yeah, and, and limits all kinds of like, uh, like sexual expression, like sex positive kind of expression. Um, yeah. So this character, uh, he, they come out of their their uh, village, um, and yeah, they, they kind of start start exploring all kinds of different kinks uh, from various tribes and villages, like all over the place. Um, and yeah, they can develop their skill trees that way. Um, so we have got the I'm thinking of having the bondage skill tree. I'm have, um, which is a, a kind of more uh, like an active kind of control that kind of 
that kind of a, a skill, um, a sensation skill tree. Um, so that is more, in terms of gameplay, that's more attacking, that has actually like physically damaged the any opponents. And then we have the verbal communications skill tree, and that is more of a supporting and active support. Uh, um, so yeah, you can reduce your kind of your opponents, for example, some their their attributes by kind of distracting them or uh, with with words that kind of thing. Um, and then there's a gear skill tree, uh, which is a passive skill tree, and you can do that with um, uh, do that with kind of um, oh, <laughs> I lost it there. Um, One minute. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then I'm, I'm thinking of having a dom-sup system, uh, so uh, every action that the main character does, uh, they would add uh, points to the dom-sup system, and once you get to a certain level, then you, you unlock more options. Um, yeah, and there's, uh, there's obviously, this is a king game, so there are romance options as well. Uh, and yeah, they, they kind of unlock them used, um, in, in accordance seconds. to their uh, identity and their dumps up orientation. Uh, at the end of the game, there is kind of uh, you, yeah, you come across Karen, and yeah, you come across all kind of tribes and uh, identities, and they all come together for a massive big pride parade. And to do, and at the end, you defeat Karen, and then there's a acceptance and tolerance all around, yeah, and then. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> About time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm. <laughs> I'm not sure if you got the money for the pitch. Oh. <laughs> And you missed the load out of your pitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. That was brilliant. <laughs> oh my. But I kind of want someone to make that game. <laughs> so I know there's things like the RPG creator and stuff like that out there. Yeah. I would love someone to make that. <laughs> Like I would love someone, to, even if it's just like a proof of concept, just like the first few levels or something. I love to see this sort of thing done, you know. <laughs> so there's one thing we didn't decide on, right? What would the name be? Ah, uh... because I think I've got a good one. Uh... Fuck you, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I now have water all over my desk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see, I was I was thinking the name would be Scene, as in S C E N E, and the reason is it's a it's a bit of a play on words. It's yeah. seen as in a kink scene. It's seen as in being seen, mm-hmm. and it's it's like being it's being seen not only like yourself being seen like by others and like experiencing like oh these are my people but also like karen is seeing this yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah 
I don't have any other idea what we'd call the world or anything like that. <laughs> These are details nah, that can get hashed out in like they can, development hell. They can, they can be randomly generated for <laughs> I care. These can be worked out in development hell, but like I just like the name, like scene. <laughs> <laughs> but oh with the uh, with the pitch put together <sighs> and the crazy elements of what would be a wicking RPG. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find us, Chris? Yes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TBNJ Podcast. Uh, Catch our Twitch stream, uh, TBNJ Podcast. Uh, We're on Mastodon, TBNJ Podcast at wolf.group. Leave us a voice message uh, at anchor.fm forward slash TBNJ Podcast. And one thing to just kind of put out there now we won't be doing our usual post show stream for this episode. No, because I we are am... unavailable. Basically, yes, yeah, quite like, simply, <laughs> we we are both uh, unfortunately tied up this month. This is a a busy month for us. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, they can catch us in all of those places. And let's be clear, that's us. You can catch not the car crash of an RPG that we just kind of hashed out together. <laughs> no, <laughs> but again, if anyone wants to try and put that out together, like. Reach out to us. We're open to having a discussion around that. I'm not sure the the gameplay is going to. Yeah, someone needs to design the gameplay. We can't. Oh, yeah, like we're terrible at that kind of thing, but obviously. But But for now, I have been Sai. I've been Chris. Thank you very much for joining us on this uh, weird episode. (laughs) Why not, right? Goodbye. Uh, See you next time. This episode was edited by TVNJ Chris. Our soundboard comprises royalty-free audio. The opening and ending music is Chords Conundrum by DOAK. Thank you for listening to GFAX and Joysticks.